So I'm so excited, guys. We are going to um, have Pastor Mike make his way forward. He's going to bring the word today. So let's give him a hand today as he comes forward. He's going to share the word of God today. But I just, it's such an honor to have um, Pastor Mike preach today. I've known him since I was 14, such a long, long time. And so I'm so proud of him. He gives an amazing word. And he's just, he amazes me every single time. He's always challenging me. I'm always learning from him. If you need business advice, this is your guy. But I thank God so much because he's such a man of God. And this, we, we love him. Don't we love Pastor Mike? We love him so much for, for pouring into the house, for bringing a good word. And so we just, I'm excited today to hear what, what all, all, everything that he has to say. So let's give him a hand one more time. With an intro like that, no pressure, right? <laughs> I'm so glad that you guys came to church today. How many are happy that you came to church today? Yeah. And you're, if you're a Niner fan, you're doubly happy because, you know, you prayed, Lord, can you give me an opportunity to go to church? And he was like, all right, let the Niners get into the playoffs and have a late game. So there's no <laughs> excuse for you not to come. Plus, uh, should they get, I'm not predicting that they will or they won't, all right, because then the Niners fans will hate me if I predict that they won't get into the Super Bowl, and then the, everyone else will, well, anyway, don't want to alienate anybody today. The, the Super Bowl, you absolutely have to come to service on that day, because if you don't, again, I'm not predicting that the Niners won't win unless you come to service on that day, but it <laughs> let's just say that it, it's a good idea for you to come to church. And you picked the right Sunday, by the way, to come to church. We're going to finish our series in on taking territory, taking territory. So we're going to look at the book of Numbers, chapter 13. The book of Numbers, chapter 13. So if you have your Bible, you can turn there on your phone, your app, or on the screens, whichever you prefer. And we're going to begin reading in verse 25. We're going to read a handful of verses and then we will pray and dive right in. Verse 25 says this, after exploring the land for 40 days, someone say 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit that they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak, who were known as fierce warriors. Uh, legend has it that they were the shortest person in that tribe was seven feet tall. So imagine kids running around seven feet tall and their men were as tall as nine and a half feet tall. So a bunch of, you know, someone my height, I would literally be looking up to everybody and uh, then some. The Amalekites live in the Negev and the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. Verse 30. But Caleb, but Caleb, tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men, someone say the other men, 
who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there. So not only are there huge folks, there's also huge giants. The descendants of Anak, next to them we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity because every time we look into your word, you want to use it to change us in one way, shape, or form. Change our perspective, change the way that we view you, change the way that we view our situation, change the way that we view others or ourselves. So, Lord, for this, we give you glory for what you're going to accomplish as we cooperate with the work of the Holy Spirit as your word is communicated. We give you the glory, the thanks, and the praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. Taking territory. Taking territory. Turn to your neighbor and tell him what got you out of Egypt. Come on, tell him like you mean it. What got you out of Egypt won't get you into the promised land. Now turn to someone on the other side and help me out, guys, by turning up the lights because some folks are getting tired and we just started. <laughs> what got, I, I'm getting tired just. <laughs> what, what got you out of Egypt? Turn to someone that else. What got you out of Egypt won't get you into the promised land. Won't get you into the promised land. So here was Israel. God had told Israel, that he was going to give them this land to call their home. How many of you have ever received a promise from God before? Anything at all? Nobody? Oh, man. Okay, thank you. <laughs> and if you haven't, then you're going to receive a promise today. How about that? So here they were in this wilderness, this in-between time, between the place that they used to be and the point that God told them that they were going to take possession of. Because Egypt was not their home. Egypt was not the place that they belonged. The wilderness was not the place that they belonged. Where they belonged was where God promised them that they would be home. How many are grateful for a place like this that you can call home? How many are grateful for your biological family, for your church family, for your family, fam for any kind of family that you can get? So they're in this in-between time, and God performed mighty miracles before their eyes. First, as they left Egypt, God caused the most powerful army in the entire world at that time, the Egyptian army, to be swallowed up by the Red Sea. In an instant, boom, they were gone. They were done. Pharaoh was defeated, and he knew that he couldn't come after the people of God because God has performed a miracle for them. Anyone God ever performed a miracle for you? And then the people got hungry. How I many you know we, we, we like to eat, right? We, <laughs> come on. We love to eat. I uh, love to eat. People ask me, do you cook? No, but I eat. <laughs> I love to eat. I, I, man, you, what you're cooking looks so good. I'm getting mighty hungry, but uh, don't have me cook that because then you're going to think a lot less of me than you did before. <laughs> Can't cook. Then the people got hungry. So what did God do? God caused it to rain. Imagine that it gets cloudy and then suddenly bread, your favorite bread, whatever. Someone, someone call out your favorite bread, whatever. Sourdough, rye, raisin, bandulce, banana bread, flatbread, whatever it is that is your favorite. 
Imagine your favorite bread start, it gets cloudy because you get hungry and you say, God, we would like, I would like for some food. Because there's no grocery store back then, right? There's no Insta anything. There's no grocery, nothing like that. They get hungry and God causes clouds to form in the sky and it starts to rain. Their favorite bread. Isn't that cool? <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's enough for them to get full every single day. But then the people are like, okay, God, we're tired of just bread. Can you give us some meat, right? Any meat lovers, any carnivores here today? And so what happens is God causes these birds called quail to fall out of the sky. And the people can have barbecue quail every single day, plus they get their favorite bread with it. There you go. So they can have their tortas and their sandwiches and whatever it is that they like, right? But then they get thirsty because when you eat, you naturally get thirsty. So what does God do? God says to Moses, you see that walking staff in your hand? I want you to hit that rock over there and water is going to gush out enough to satisfy about three million people, Bible scholars say, was in the nation of Israel. Three million people were able to have enough water to drink. Isn't that cool? Imagine God tells you hit a rock and then you see water start gushing out of it after you hit that thing. And then God also performed this miracle where later on God tells Moses, hey, I want you to talk to this rock. Now something happens, something dangerous happens because Moses was used to the way that God told him to do things. God told him to hit the rock before. But the second time, God told him to what? If you know it, what is it? What did God tell Moses to do to the rock the second time? That's right. He told him to speak to the rock the second time. But what did Moses do? He was so used to hitting the rock that he hit it again. But God never told him to hit the rock. And because of his disobedience to what God told him to do, God said, I'm not angry at the people. You're angry, dude. You need to, you know, get some more prayer time in or something like that. Get your heart right with me because I'm not mad with the people. You're mad at the people. That's why you hit the rock. And because of your disobedience, you're not going to get into the promised land. Something dangerous happens when we act and live based on what God did and we camp out there. And that's our point of reference. We camp out on where God moved and what God did before. And we look back at, to that and we constantly say, the good old days. God moved in the good old days. Well, did he know that God is not the I was? When God appeared to Moses at the burning bush, he didn't say, tell Pharaoh that the I was sent you. What did he tell him? The I am. That means the ever present help, not the ever past help. So something dangerous happens when we say the good old days. God moved in the past, so he has to do those things. Wouldn't it be great if we lived back in the good old days again? But God told Moses, no, 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 no. You're used to who, who I showed myself to be, but you have not tracked with me on who I'm showing myself to be. Something dangerous happens when we camp out on the good, in the good old days, and God's like, the good old days is as long as you're alive, baby. So as long as you're alive, that's who I want to show myself to be, the great I am. Not the great I was, the great I am in your life. And so it's dangerous when we camp out and we get lodged there and we, we, we pitch our tent and we check into our favorite room back in the past. Because that's not where God is. God's here. He's here right now. And as long as you're breathing, as long as you're alive, God wants to prove himself to be the great I am in your life. What God, 
you out of Egypt won't get you into the promised land. What worked before, the way that God moved before, he still wants to do amazing things now. But let's not get camped out in the in-between where we were and where God wants us to be. Let's not get camped out in the wilderness because Egypt is not our home. You may have gone through struggles. We refer to the wilderness, right, as struggles. Financial struggle, marital struggle, health struggle, relational struggle, whatever kind of struggle that you have been through, that's not your home. That's not where you're supposed to be forever. So you might be going through struggle right now, but the struggle is not going to last always. Don't wrap your mind around the fact that you're going through that wilderness experience because that's not where you're meant to stay. God's got a promised land for you. And I'm not, I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know when you're going to step into it. But all I know is that Egypt is not your home. The wilderness is not your home. God performed all these miracles for them. So get, don't, let's not get stuck what God did in the past. Let's not get stuck there. It will take a greater level of obedience is what God was teaching his people to get you to the promised land than got you to the point that you are today. Because God works. Tell someone next to you, God works at the speed of your obedience. Tell someone else. Come on, I, I wish someone would help me today. Because <laughs> you came for a word, so I'm trying to give it to you. We can help me out today. <laughs> God works at the speed of your obedience. You've been asking God to move, and he's like, I'm waiting for you. I'm already working. Like we see that song, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. He's already working. He's like, I'm waiting for you. I'm there. I'm hanging out. It's just like when you got lunch plans or coffee plans with somebody and that person flakes on you. You're like, I'm waiting for you. I'm right here. I've been posted up, buddy. You know, you didn't show up to that RSVP. God's like, I'm waiting for your obedience to kick in. Tell someone next to you, your obedience is your decision. Your obedience is your choice. You always get a choice in the matter. You know, one thing that has annoyed me throughout the years is, is people who love Jesus try to put it off like Jesus doesn't love them. Because they say like things like this, oh, I'm just waiting on God. I'm waiting on God to answer my prayer. I'm waiting on God to come through. And then God gives them a word and a, a, he gives them like three and 19 confirmations of what he wants them to do. And then they, 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 say, they say things like this, oh, no, 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 that's, that's not of God. You see, the devil's trying to tempt me. Yeah, the devil's talking to me. You know, he's that blind devil, you know what I mean? Because it's a little bit uncomfortable for us at times to be obedient. But God works at the speed of our obedience. So the faster you obey what he's telling you to do, the faster he's going to come through in your life. The, he loves you right where you are, but he wants the best for you. God loves us right where we are. The, the other thing is you've, you've heard people say, oh, you know, God loves me just the way I am. He does. But he has so much more for you than what you currently are experiencing. And what does that mean? I don't know. Different things for different people. You might need him to come through in your finances right now. So he wants to come through in your finances, but he says, are you going to be obedient to what my word already told you to do? Because you can't pray, ask me for a blessing when you're not being obedient to what I told you to do already, 
right? The Lord says, tithe. Are you tithing? Well, he's not going to come through for you if you're not already following what he said, right? In your, in your relationships, are you setting a good example for that person that you're praying for? Your loved ones, your family. God's not going to come through and move upon their hearts when what they see modeled before them is not matching up with the God that you tell them about. The other thing is you pray for advancement and promotion in your job, but if you're not being obedient to honor what you see, then God's not going to reward you with advancement and promotion. It'll take a greater level of obedience. Someone said, God works at the speed of my obedience. Just somebody say that. God works at the speed of my obedience. Caleb, I love Caleb, man. We, we step, Caleb steps onto the scene, and what does it say? It says that he quiets the people. He tried to quiet the people. Now, Bible scholars say that he was successful at quieting the people because he had a booming William Wallace voice. He, you ever seen Braveheart? He had this booming, bold, strong, manly, I can't even impersonate it, William Wallace voice. And so when he talked, it, it uh, projected over a bunch of people who were trying to say the negative report. What did Caleb say? He told the people in Numbers chapter 13, verse 30, let's go at once. To take the land, he said, we can certainly conquer it. Caleb, his name means wholehearted, fearless, and brave. Wholehearted, fearless, and brave. He went all in on what God told them to do. He was ready to do it now. Sometimes you don't need for God to come through in the way that you're asking him to. Sometimes you don't need God to come through in the way that you've been praying and fasting for him to. Sometimes you need to pray for God to send somebody your way, who is the answer to your prayer. Because God doesn't move in a weird mystical way where he, he drops things out of the sky magically like he did before. He works nowadays through people. People. Tell someone next to you, God wants to use you. You might be the answer to somebody else's prayer. You might be the very person that somebody else is praying for. In what way? Word of encouragement? Some of us have, God's prospered us financially, and you can be a blessing financially to a family in need. You can take, take, help take their kids to school. You can help encourage them, help them with their homework. There's various ways that we could be a blessing to others because God has prospered us as we stand. There's various ways that we can be a, an encouragement to somebody else right now. You can be the answer to someone's prayer. Somebody has been praying for you, and they don't even know it. They don't even know that your face that you are the answer to their prayer. But guess what? God wants to use you. you. Me? Yes. You. God wants to use you. Why? Because when he uses you, he knows that he's going to get the glory. And why is he going to get the glory? Because you know that on your own, you may not be the most generous person. Can, can we talk about it today? I mean, some of us are not the most generous people. Before Jesus came into our lives, right? And then he starts to do that little chiseling on some of our hearts. In some of our hearts, he uses like we see that guy using over there, that jackhammer. <laughs> He's got to break up that old concrete infested heart, right? And get to it to, to where it's nice and soft and, and tender now. 
But he wants to do that deep inner work in our hearts because when we allow him to do what he wants to do, he gets the glory. He gets the glory. You're not going to get to the promised land until you honor those who are already closer or already in their promised land today. You get what you honor. Tell your neighbor you get what you honor. Tell, tell someone else you get what you honor. So here's what God won't give you. He won't give you what you're dishonoring today. If you're praying in one moment, God, would you come through for me? Let's use the example financially. But then you're bashing those who are ahead of you financially today. He ain't going to give that to you. Why? Because he's come through for others already. And you're bashing those folks who he's already prospered. Let me talk to Jesus. If you're not honoring the people who are close to or already in their promised land, God's not going to give you your own promised land. Because you get what you honor. If you want financial advancement, then you need to honor those who already are experiencing it today. If you want to raise a promotion, if you want advancement, then you need to honor those who are in authority over you today. Your supervisors, your coworkers, anybody who is superior to you today. The boss ain't going to give you his job. He's not going to say, oh, you're next in line when you're bashing him behind his back. I promise you, word always gets around to the boss. Because the same people you're bashing the boss to are bashing you to the boss. That's just how it goes. Oh, yeah, Lupita, tell me more. <laughs> El jefe. That, that means the boss in Spanish. I'm trying to brush up on my Spanish, you know what I mean? Because uh, I've been asked, we've been, well, my, me and my siblings have been asked that question all our lives. So we're, we've been totally conflicted, right, because we're Filipino and Mexican, but we only speak English. So we always get the, the question by the Filipinos, do you speak Tagalog? No. Hindi, I don't speak Tagalog, right? That means no. Um, and then by, by everybody who speaks Spanish, oh, yeah, your last name, right? Your last name, you speak Spanish? No. <laughs> That's the only Spanish word I know. No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> and so um, you're not going to get where you want to get by bashing those who have it. You've got to honor those who have it. And here's what happens. If you want a strong marriage, a strong relationship, then you honor those who have a strong marriage and a strong relationship. You honor them today. Not envy them. Not wish that they didn't have that and you did at their expense. No. But that you can follow their example. You honor what they've got. If you want a nice house, then you honor the people who have their nice houses and their nice neighbors. God bless them. You know, God take care of them. God continue prospering them because I know that when, what I honor, I am going to step into. You're not going to step into your own promised land until you honor those who are already in theirs. You can't pull the people who are already stepping into their promised land back into the wilderness with you and expect for God to bring you into your own promised land. Am I talking to anybody today? <laughs> the guy in second service. Some of us were meant to be those who build a bridge. Don't build barriers, build bridges. Build bridges to the promised land. Build bridges to the promised land. Some of us, we've been demolishing bridges. 
bridges to our future. Can I tell you something? Some of the folks who are in your life today may be the ones who you most need down the road to help you get into your promised land. Most, uh, some of the folks that you need. Now, some of the folks who are in your corner singing your praises, loving on you, may not be part of your future. They may not be. Here's the sad reality. Moses didn't get into the promised land. But he was their leader for a number of years. Does it mean they're bad people? No. Not at all. Sometimes it means that some people, you'll be that person, I think it's Star Trek, that boldly goes where no one else wants to go. And they're not willing to go with you. Because you're willing to pay the price to get to you the promised land, and they're not. So recognize who's in your corner. Who's your Caleb? Your Caleb may, might be that irregular other person. Your Caleb might be the one who just rubs you the wrong way. Not in a mean way, but in a way that helps you change. <laughs> in a way that gets you bothered sometimes. But you know that what they're telling you is good for you. You know, like, I don't, I don't, like, to, I don't like to take vitamins, but I do. Because I want to live a long time, you know. I don't have high blood pressure, thank God. But I want to keep it that way. I, I don't like to eat the healthy stuff, right? I don't, I don't, like, to, uh, I don't like to skip the in and out and, uh, you know, all the, all the good stuff. Why is all the good stuff, like, the best tasting, you know, uh, like the good stuff? And then uh, you've got to put, like, sugar and, and, uh, and pepper and salt and hot sauce and stuff on the veggies to get them to taste good. He's like, you're like, he put sugar? No, I'm just exaggerating to make a point. If you want your destiny, then listen to your yaysayers, not your naysayers. Your yaysayers, not your naysayers. And if you don't have a naysayer, then look in the mirror and make sure you're not one. Don't talk someone out of their destiny. But don't be the person who talks anybody out of their destiny either. If someone's telling you, hey, these are, these are the goals and the plans and the vision that God has given me for my future, then you say, what do you need from me? How can I help you reach that future? What can I do to pitch in and be in your corner? How can I support you? Because God has blessed me, and I want to bless you too. Don't turn around and say, oh, you know, this person has big dreams and big plans and everything. I don't think that, I don't think that she's ever going to accomplish any of that stuff. Don't be that person. Don't be that one, because the, the, the naysayers don't get into the promised land. Only two spies, Joshua and Caleb, came back with a good report. And isn't that interesting that only Joshua and Caleb from that generation got into the promised land? The ten spies who came with a negative report, they died in the desert. We don't want you to die before entering your promised land, whatever that looks like. We want you to get there, whatever there means for you. We want you to get there. But you're not going to get there if you, if you block others from getting there. You're not going to get there yourself if you block others from getting to their own promised land, whatever that looks like for them. Encourage those who are on their way to continue on their way. And here's what's going to happen. You come back with a good report, they're going to look at you, and they're gonna, you're going to be one of the ones that they thank later on. And even if they don't thank you verbally, you'll have the you'll have the personal gratification of knowing I helped. I helped her get where she is. 
I helped them get where she, he is. They came to me with needing advice, and I gave them advice one day. And you'll have that personal satisfaction. Listen to your yaysayers, not your naysayers. It's so easy to get caught up in what is not possible that we lose sight of what is. Let's be that Caleb who says, yeah, let's go right now. Let's step into it right now. Let's be the people of God that he's called us to be right now. Your yaysayers walk you into your destiny. Your naysayers talk you out of your destiny. Let's walk people into their destiny for them. Tell your neighbor what got you out of Egypt won't get you into the promised land. Caleb is a guy who saw his situations not as they were, but as they could be. Caleb was the guy who imagined his foot on his giant's neck rather than the other way around. Caleb looked up to that in his mind. He looked up to those nine and a half feet tall giants and said, you, my, my sword has your name on it. <laughs> your, 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 your blood type, what you got, O, whatever the blood types are, whatever it is, is soon to be on my sword. My sword is going to be drenched with my enemy's blood pretty soon. Because God, who has told us to possess that land, is bigger than our giants could ever be. What giants are you facing today? What giants are you facing today? What is your seemingly impossible situation that seems like it will never happen, that seems like you'll never step into that reality? What is that? God is bigger than that. God is bigger than that. What, what is it that you think is not going to happen? Could it be that you've been praying for someone's life to turn around and it doesn't seem to be improving? Can it be that your situation, your health situation doesn't seem to be getting better? What is it? God's bigger than that. Tell someone next to you, God's bigger than that. Caleb didn't see the size of his enemy. He saw the size of his God when he looked at his enemy. God's calling us to see through the eyes of faith that we look at our circumstances not the way that we see them, but the way that God sees them. The way that God sees them. The way that God sees them. And we believe the truth, not your truth. We believe the truth about what he says. Because when he is on our side, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. I wish somebody would help me today. <laughs> Through the eyes of faith. It's going to take us partnering, joining hands to get into the promised land that God has promised to give us. Not this competitive streak that some of us get into. Not the he has, she has. But he has, she has, I'm happy. I'm celebrating. We celebrate with those who celebrate, not compete with them. Not compete with them. Phil Jackson, who is one of the winningest coaches in any sport, said that he was able to lead the Chicago Bulls to six world championships and not the L.A. Lakers because the difference between the two teams was that the Chicago Bulls recognized each other's strengths and partnered together to win games and championships, and the L.A. Lakers were the majority of the time trying to get the ball more than their teammates were. And that's the reason why they, he, didn't, 
he wasn't able to lead the Lakers to 10, 12, 15 championships, even though they had that potential inside of them. What do you have the potential to accomplish if you would collaborate with the right folks? What do you have the potential to accomplish if you would recognize, okay, your personality is different than mine, your skill set is different than mine, but we've got the same destiny in mind. What could God accomplish through us? What could God accomplish through us? You know what happens when we, when we lock arms? It triggers a red alert in the gates of hell. Because when we lock arms together, we accomplish and fulfill Jesus' last prayer, which was that we would be one <laughs> in heart, just as he and the Father are one in heart and in pursuit. Can you imagine when we lock arms and we, and, and we stop with the drama? The drama, hey, yucky. Like, get that drama out of here, you know what I mean? We all like comedy and we like romance, but we don't like drama. Get that drama out of here. Let's focus and collaborate and lock arms. Your personality is different than mine. Your skill set is different than mine. How you get things done is different than me. Your cleanliness factor is definitely greater than mine. <laughs> According to my wife. <laughs> there are stacks of books everywhere. But that, what ultimately matters is that we have the same heart and are willing to pursue the same things together. I recognize your skills. I recognize your personality strengths. And you recognize mine. And we all get together and we move forward as a team, as a family, to accomplish what God has given to us. When we stop with the drama, miraculous things happen. We, we automatically love each other. <laughs> Because we stop bashing each other and we start speaking and honoring each other the way that God honors us today. If you want to accomplish your future and get into your promised land, then you will lock arms and lock hearts with those of similar purpose and similar passion and pursue God's plans for you together. And this is a golden opportunity. Not just for us as a church. Man, exciting, thrilling for things are about to happen. The first time I ever stood before an audience was when I was 14 years old. That was 27 years ago. And talked. It was the shortest message I've ever preached in my life. It was like two minutes. I was on David and Bathsheba. I, I didn't know what I was doing. I had a single sheet of notes. And I was shaking in my boots. But I got up there. I read my notes. I read my scripture. And then I sat down. Lo and behold, the, the youth leader came up to me afterwards and he was like, Mike, how did you know that that was what our group needed? I was like, I didn't. <laughs> he was like, there's a lot of that kind of crazy stuff going on within our youth group right now. I was like, I, I don't know. <laughs> but it, I have never, ever, ever been as excited. My wife and I together, our family, has never been as excited about serving Jesus as we are today. Never. 27 years ago, I would have never thought that I'd be standing on a stage like this and talking to you guys. I never, I never imagined that. But what I did imagine is that God would use my life to help somebody, to help somebody know him in a deeper way. And that God would use what I give to him, which is everything that I have, 
to serve his kingdom's cause. And today, you have a golden opportunity. You have a, a wonderful opportunity. You've been lonely. You feel like you've been isolated. You feel like nobody understands you. You feel like you need a friend. Oh, join a small group. Join a small group. Uh, I, I say that with like a big brother, like dad kind of pride. Join a small group. Because one of the things that we're looking to eliminate is loneliness. You know, yesterday we played softball. We had a good old time. Most of the, most of the folks out there were, are part of our small groups. You will forge relationships for life. People who understand you, who get you. People who, I promise you, who have been through maybe even ten times more than you have. You think that you have a story? Wait till you hear some of their stories. You think you've been through some stuff in life? Wait till you hear the things that they've been through and are battling right now. You, you think that you're an irregular other to some folks? I'm not even going to begin to say what kind of folks you're going to encounter there who will, in spite of it all, love you because they love Jesus. Love you because they love Jesus. We're looking to take territory. But it starts at home. It starts with our hearts. See, the first territory that we're looking to take, that God's looking to take is your heart first. He takes your heart, then a lot of other good things are going to fall into place. So today, as we bow our heads and close our eyes, you might be in this place and you're far from God. Maybe at one time you were serving him, but you got diverted, you got distracted for one reason or the next. Or maybe you've never had an encounter with Jesus and today you know that it's your time, it's, it's your opportunity to come home where you belong and to step over that line in the sand and say, God, you can have my life and you can do what you want to do. So with every head bowed and every head closed, if that's you, then I, I would love to pray with you and, say, uh, and lead you in a prayer of commitment to Jesus. On the count of three, I'm going to ask that you just raise your hand and say, that's me. I would love for you to pray with me. So if that's you, then on the count of three, just raise your hand. One, two, three. If that's you, go ahead and lift your hand this morning and say, that's me. God bless you. I see the hand. You can put it down. Anybody else? You say, pray with me. God bless you. I see the hand. You can put it down. Anybody else? There was anybody else who you say, pray with me. Pray with me. Then, church, if you've made that commitment to Jesus, God bless you, sister. I see your hands. You can put it down. There's two young ladies in the front here. Anybody else? We're going to hand you a card. If you could go ahead and fill out that card and turn it into, uh, put it into one of the offering boxes or turn it into one of the gentlemen who handed it to you before you leave, we would greatly appreciate that. So, we're going to say this word of prayer. And church, if you've already committed your life to Jesus, then let's agree with those who are making this decision for the first time or as a recommitment. Let's pray. Lord, we say, Jesus, I come before you a sinner. I turn away from my sins. I receive you into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. 
Give me the strength to live for you for all my life. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Hey church, thanks for joining us today at our Sunday service. We're so happy that you got to join us today. And don't forget, if you've never been to one of our services, I want to encourage you to come every Sunday. We have two services that are available for you at 10 and 11.45 a.m. And don't forget, if you're not following us on social media, follow us because that's where all of our updates are going to be for the church. And we cannot wait to see you next week. God bless.